Dear friends in Christ, the Advent season is drawing to a close. Sunday is the fourth Sunday in Advent, as well as Christmas Eve. Man, that went by quick. It's hard to believe it's almost Christmas. But it is. The event is near. We have three candles lit on the Advent wreath, including the pink candle, which in some traditions is called the candle of joy, the Gaudete. Some say the candle of joy is pink, pink being the color of both emotional well-being and matters of the heart. That's well and good since matters of the heart, rather than our human understanding, is what we're going to be talking about this evening, what we've been talking about in recent weeks. As Christians, we know that Advent is about preparing our hearts, not our homes. That the Advent season is one of preparation and anticipation, an opportunity to focus our hearts and our minds on Christmas, our annual celebration of the joyous events in Bethlehem when Christ came to save us, the destination of our great journey as our dear brother Greg shared with us during Vespers just one week ago. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you this Advent season, brothers and sisters, in the name of our light, our living Savior, Jesus Christ. When I was a young engineer, I had difficulty sometimes, I know some of you won't believe this, admitting that there were things I didn't understand. I'm not sure where this unhumbleness came from, a symptom of silly human disease, probably. I had Eric and Allison going for a while with this all-knowing father routine, but eventually they saw right through it. Veronica wasn't fooled for a second. She just rolled her eyes from the very start and continued to train me. I'm far from cured, but I'm happy to report that I am making progress. But as a scientist, I, I, I love to understand the physical world, I, the things mechanical, the things electrical, the things rational. Many men and many women share this trait, and it's not a bad attribute to have, except perhaps when we get so wrapped up in our own intellect, in our own knowledge, that we can't see around them. We can't see into the emotional or into the spiritual or into the miraculous. And while maybe sometimes, just sometimes, understanding is overrated, just maybe. A few weeks back, we read the story of Zechariah, who was married to Elizabeth, who was to become the mother of John the Baptist. When the angel Gabriel told Zechariah what was going to happen to his old lady wife and the mission that was going to be placed before his son-to-be, Zechariah just couldn't understand it. It passed his understanding. So Gabriel gave him a time out to think about it, and he was silent for a while. Just because we can't understand something doesn't mean it's not real or important. Take calculus, for example. There are some who understand it, and I knew Keith would be here tonight. Most of us have forgotten most of the calculus we, we, we know, but, but not Keith. Keith understands calculus. He puts the fun in the fundamentals of calculus. Some of his students can actually sing the quadratic formula. 
That's good for them, and math is important. It informs our view and describes things we can't otherwise describe. But even Keith would admit, if pressed, that very few aspects of our lives are like math. Our lives and our emotions and our fears and our weaknesses are not solvable equations. John Lewis Van Neumann, a famous mathematician, once said, if people do not believe that mathematics is simple, it's only because they don't realize how complicated life is. How complicated life is. So with all due respect to math and science, maybe understanding is overrated, less important than some other things. As Lutherans, uh, I'm sorry, just I want to step back and say the, the Bible, God's word, God, is just full of things, just full of things that go beyond our human understanding. Um, earlier this year, Pastor Dave led a study in a discussion on, uh, on predestination. It was, it was in the K room. It was very well attended. There was a lot of Q&A, a lot of discussion. But, and I pay close attention to all this, but to be, to be honest, I'm still having trouble understanding how God in his sovereignty predestines people for salvation before they're born. And I'm confident I am one of those, yet people still have free will and, and need to be accountable for their actions and will be judged. Somehow, although I know it's not truly con a contradiction, somehow this, this eludes me. I accept it, but it passes my understanding. I guess I have to retake the course, Dave. As Lutherans, we believe in the real presence of the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, that the body and blood of Christ are truly and substantially present in, with, and under the forms, the bread and the wine. So when we commune, we spiritually partake of the holy body and blood of Christ. How does that happen? I don't know, and I don't need to know. But I accept it because that's what Scripture tells us is the case. And there's, then there's the incarnation of our Savior Jesus Christ, our Savior Jesus, fully, completely God, and yet, at the same time, fully human. Christ was everything that the Father God was and is eternally, even in the incarnation when he walked this earth. He shared in full divinity, and yet he was everything that we are, so fully human that he was able to become the perfect sacrifice for our sins in a way that he and his divine self could not. But he identified perfectly with us and became that sacrifice. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 6, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or to be grasped, some translations say, rather he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even to death, death on a cross. The Trinity, we believe, is one nature in three persons. Christ is one person with two natures. How does that work? It's, it's a mystery. It passes our understanding. No doubt about it, the Bible, our Bible, the gospel of Christ is full of matters passing our understanding. 
But don't misunderstand me. God's ways are to be trusted. God's purpose for us is crystal clear. Pastor Jerry Yarnell used to say something that, uh, that, always, that I always remembered. He, he once said, he often said, I have no use for a God who's small enough to fit inside my head. And I found that sometimes I too just need to get out of the, my own way and allow God's guidance and God's provision room to work in my life. We all need to allow room for God's guidance and provision, even if it passes our understanding. Joseph and Mary is another story of God's provision in so many ways, but just taking it up on the journey from, uh, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, there, there was like the, the, the way that, that God guided Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. The Romans in the census may have been God's instrument in setting them on that path, but it was God's purpose that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that the bread of life would be born in the house of bread, as it's sometimes called, the house of David, the legacy of that Hebrew king. And God protected them and provided for them on that journey, the same way that he protects and provides for us, although not always in the way that we expect him to do so. Psalm 46 reminds us, God is our refuge and strength, a very sufficient help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth change, and though the mountains totter in the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, Though the mountains shake with the surging water, do all this is going on, God is our refuge and our strength. The guidance of God, the provision of God, is a matter passing our understanding. We simply need to be still, cease striving, trust, and obey. Over the last three weeks of Advent worship, we've reflected together on the story of the angels and the shepherds, Pastor Dave reminded us a few weeks ago that joy is not simply the absence of fear, but joy is a supernatural byproduct of Christ's love and Christ's sacrifice. Our trust in God's promise of salvation is our antidote to worry and to fear. And to circle back to part of our reading from Philippians 4, from earlier Philippians 4, just verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, one of the many things that does, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And there it is. Absent the Spirit of Christ, there is no pathway to peace on earth. Our journey towards peace and joy this Advent season is not possible without embracing the power, strength, and freedom we have in Christ and in Christ's ultimate sacrifice. Christ's Spirit in us, gifting us, bringing forth fruits, Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, self-control. The fruits of the Spirit brought forth by Christ's Spirit in me and in you is what the Bible promises. 
And although this also passes my understanding, it doesn't matter to me that it passes my understanding. I just don't want it to stop. And neither should you. God has a lot of zeal and passion when it comes to his provision and protection. Uh, To go back to Isaiah 9, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's think about that for a second, that last part. The zeal of God Almighty, the passion of this universe's creator was To do what? It was to restore his broken relationship with his creation. To remove the barrier of sin. Why did he care so much? Why does he care today? So hard to understand, so hard to fathom sometimes that he could care so much about all the world and yet about me and you individually. It's beyond understanding. Galatians 4 Uh, tells us, and I don't believe that there's a slide for this, but Galatians 4, uh, verses 4 and 5 says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship and daughtership and intimate family relationship, making us heirs to the kingdom, kingdom, the family of God. God's passion for us God's love for us, his mercy and his boundless grace are all matters passing our understanding. Even our faith, our faith, our belief in things unseen and our certainty of things hoped for, the things that we hope for, a faith that has no room, any faith that that has no room for mystery or miracles, any faith that's based solely upon understanding of getting all the theological T's crossed and I's dotted, that's not, a, that's not faith in action. That's not an authentic faith. Authentic faith is not me-based. Our faith cannot be an intellectual exercise. Our faith must be both a response to God's love and a compelling call to action to increase our resemblance to our Savior Jesus Christ through service, through sacrifice, through compassion, through love, through bringing others to Christ. That's the opportunity that we must all take advantage of during this Advent season and afterwards. Faith is so much more than simply belief, and it's impossible impossible without the Spirit. Our very faith in Christ, given freely and fully in the absence of any scientific or mathematical proof, it's just another matter passing understanding. It's ours to have and to live and to pass on to others, to be thankful for, to accept, but to understand, maybe not so much. 
How this works may be less than clear, but what, what we needed Jesus to tear, what we, but what is clear is what we needed Jesus for, which was to tear down the barrier of sin, to redeem us and to save us and to bring us back into relationship. This I believe, and this I can understand, that that sin, that my sin, was something that I couldn't do anything about, but God through Jesus could. So now that we've unpacked this idea of understanding the good and the bad and how unimportant perhaps leaning on our own understanding may be in the larger eternal view of things, how things we can't understand do flow in and around all seasons of life, but especially the season of Advent, the season of Christmas, perhaps just perhaps by abandoning some of our own understanding and self-reliance, we can be made that much more ready for Christmas. Our relationship with God, powering our gratitude, our joy, our hope, our grace, and our peace. In this way, we can allow all these spiritual fruits to pass around our understanding and not let that understanding, let that, that intellectual understanding become a stronghold that we need to overcome. As Christians, we're called, all of us are called to take the joy and peace we feel during Advent and share it with others. To be the hands and feet of Jesus, as Pastor Tim likes to say. To take the blessings we've been given and share them with those who are less fortunate. The message of Advent is that God has given us his Son. And Jesus comes to the world not only to save it, but to transform it and to transform us, to bring us peace and to make possible that divine and that personal relationship that we were created for. The message of Advent, brothers and sisters, is that we can have joy and hope, but we can also bring joy and hope and the gospel truth to others. So, brothers and sisters, let's make Advent a season of victory, not only for ourselves and our immediate family, Let's make it a season of new hope and joy and peace for others. To the glory of Christ, amen. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we just invite you into our hearts. Lord, let us, uh, let us put aside any of those strongholds or any of those barriers to, uh, to trust and obedience, and let us just... Uh, take your message and take the opportunities that you place in front of us to share your truth with others. Lord, we thank you for the mercy and the grace that you've given us through your son, Jesus. We thank you for the, the gifts and, the, and this season of joy that we're all about to partake in. And Lord, let's, let's put aside those things that, uh, that maybe are of our own understanding and self-reliance and, uh, and bring forward and, and upward all those things that involve relying on you, and will give Christ all the glory. Amen.